You're listening to the Outside by Design podcast, made by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Blurring the lines between work and play, whether your office is in a pickup truck at a trailhead or in a skyscraper, we're connecting you to others who think like you do. Welcome to the pilot episode of Outside by Design. This is a podcast for entrepreneurs in the outdoor industry, because owning a business is an adventure. This episode is an introduction of who you'll be listening to every week. And this episode is great for anyone who has ever lived in the mountains and knows what it's like to work really hard to support their entrepreneurial dreams without giving up their adventurous lifestyle. Dan, Amanda, and I are here today. We work at Wheelie Creative, which is a creative agency in Whitefish, Montana that specializes in making awesome content for the outdoor industry. We love all things creative, especially design, branding, websites, writing and videos and we love creating these things for like-minded companies like yours in future episodes one two or all three of us will be interviewing business owners and leaders in the outdoor industry but today we're going to interview each other so you get to know the people behind the voices you'll be listening to every week so let's get started with the introductions so i'm amanda guy and i am the graphic designer here at wheelie creative and i was born and raised here in kalispell i love montana and i love the outdoors Pretty much all of my outdoor activities include golfing, wakeboarding, snowboarding, hiking, fishing, hunting. I mean, I probably could go on and on, but the list just gets ridiculous. Hey, what's up? I'm Dan Hansen. I'm the operations manager here at Wheelie Creative. I'm originally from Minnesota, went to college there for public relations at Minnesota State University. And after that, I moved out to California. I lived in Mammoth Lakes, California for about five years and worked for Mammoth Mountain Ski Area. Uh, I started out as the snow reporter there, moved up to public relations manager, did that for a few years, and that was a super fun job. Got to ski 100 days a year, every year, and after that I moved up to Whitefish, Montana for a good opportunity up here. I spent the last three years working for a company called Glacier Park Inc., which owns and operates hotels in and around Glacier National Park. And I just joined the team here at Wheelie Creative, which is pretty rad. It's an awesome group of people and stoked about some of the stuff we're doing here. So when I'm not actually at work, you can probably find me out on the bike trails in the area because there are like tons of them. Um, Or on some of the water around here, paddleboarding or fishing or just camping or swimming or whatever or hiking trails or kind of whatever. There's so many things to do around here. There's never really a shortage of fun stuff to do after work. Nice. And my name's Lisa and I started Wheelie Creative. So I'm the creative director. I started it in Crested Butte, Colorado in 2009 and then bounced around America a little bit before landing in Whitefish three years ago and have been running Wheelie Creative from up here. I am originally from Colorado, so Love it there. Grew up in Fort Collins, lived in Crested Butte for a while, Oregon, Salt Lake City, and then Montana. My favorite outdoor activities are definitely snowboarding and mountain biking and wandering around aimlessly with my dog, Scout. I talk about Scout a lot. He's a beautiful golden retriever. Scout the dog. Yeah. All right, now it's time to ask each other a few interview questions so you can get to know us a little bit better. And I've got some questions here for Amanda, so here it goes. Um, Amanda, for our listeners who might not know you very well, you were, have spent some time as a photographer before. Tell me about the first time that you ever sold a photograph. Yeah, uh, so selling a photograph is actually a really fun thing, especially when it's the first photograph you ever sell. It's just kind of shocking to find out that somebody actually wants to buy 
something that you created, even if it's just a photograph that you shot or something you printed. And the first photo that I sold to anybody was a picture of Upper Thompson and it was this scene and I was doing a independent study and it was just like this log that was kind of half submerged in water with some steam coming off the water and the guy who bought it was psyched about it and I couldn't believe I sold it and I probably only made like 80 bucks off of that <laughs> but it was still a really cool experience and that's hanging in his house somewhere so right. is it called steamy log no <laughs> <laughs> no but that's a great title for it I think maybe I'll go that route <laughs> All right, cool. Well, now you do graphic, desi graphic design here at Wheelie, so what really made you decide to switch over to, to design from photography? Well, and I actually, I still do photography, um, but I am now full-time graphic design, and the steps that kind of led me to that path, I was working for a really cool guy, uh, his name's Kurt Marcus, he's a really great photographer, and I worked for him for five years, and he and his wife came back from Christmas break one day and were like, hey, we bought a house in Santa Fe, New Mexico. <laughs> and so at that point, I kind of knew things were going to start to change. I was pretty comfortable with my job, but I knew that I needed to figure something out. Freelance work is very hit or miss in this valley when it comes to photography. And I think a lot of other photographers will agree with me on that. It's just, it's hard to make a full living strictly off of that. And so... In August, uh, I just kind of decided to get in touch with the community college and see about getting those last few credits I needed to earn a certificate for graphic design. So lo and behold, started an internship with Lisa here at Wheelie Creative. And then I want to say it was probably like the first week I was here. She was like, you should just stay. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, sure. So, so here I am. And I love it. It's so fun. Awesome. I'm glad you're here. Me too. And so what town did you grow up in? I grew up actually in Kalispell. I was born and raised in the Flathead Valley. So I've never lived anywhere but Montana. Even when I went to college in Bozeman, I mean, that's only like a six hour drive from here. So I just, I love this place. Nice. Mm -hmm. um, what's the farthest you've ever been away from Kalispell and why were you there? So I uh, actually, this is like four years ago now. I traveled to the Middle East, <laughs> shockingly. Um, I was seeing a guy at the time, and for Christmas he bought me a plane ticket to come visit him, and so it was really cool. He was um, stationed on the island of Bahrain, it's a kingdom, and so I flew over there, and it was the most insane trip ever. It's like a 14 or 15 hour flight from DC to Bahrain, and I spent a week and a half over there, I want to say, and took lots of pictures and experienced a ton of stuff. It, it was really cool, actually, and I met some very interesting and fun people. I actually got held up in the airport, though, because I wrote that I was a photographer when I went through customs, and they stopped me and interrogated me because they thought I was over there working for a magazine, but I was just on vacation. Oh. <laughs> So we have a bunch of different accounts here at Wheelie with different types of companies and stuff like that. What's been your favorite favorite project to work on out of all those different ones while you've been here at Wheelie? Wow, and just even just being here since January, there I can't believe how much stuff we worked on, but there are actually two different clients that we have that um, it's always been super fun to do new and fun things with them. And 
with our we local wheelie project, um, we have a few companies that like use us every single month. And probably my favorite thing that I've done, and this is when I was just interning, I drew some pictures for some t-shirt designs. And then I found an old license plate and made it look like a buffalo skull. And that was for the Montana scene in Big Fork for you listeners out there that are curious how to find that shirt. But that it's, was a really fun thing to, to make. It's like an old license plate that Amanda found in her grandma's attic. Yeah, it was my grandpa's license plate from 1967. Yeah, and now it's a t-shirt graphic. <laughs> now it's a t-shirt graphic. <laughs> I do see a lot of people wearing it, too, and it's kind of shocking. That's fun to see things I know. that you Yeah, make. is it really awesome when you see them walking down the street yeah. and you're like, I made that. Yeah, it's crazy. Actually, I was wearing my tank top in the ski house one day, and this girl's like, oh my god, I love that. And I'm like, I made it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was so proud of myself. <laughs> All right, well, you... There's a lot of really fun stuff to do around Montana here, and summers here are awesome. Where would we most likely find you on an awesome summer evening? Awesome summer evening, there's a couple of options here. I'm probably either golfing nine holes at Buffalo Hill, or I'm probably out riding my bike. It's too hot right now to run outside, <laughs> so I'll typically be riding my bike or golfing, but if it's the weekend, I'm at the lake and I'm wakeboarding. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So next, I am going to interview Lisa, actually, the boss lady here at Wheelie Creative. And I just have a few questions for you that I think our listeners might like to know about. But first of all, I think the audience might like to know how it is that you decided to become a graphic designer, or even just to be in the graphic design industry. Oh, man. Well, a uh, little fun fact, I originally, as a kid, always wanted to be a screenwriter. So I got into NYU for screenwriting, and then I couldn't afford that because I was paying for college myself. So I figured graphic design is a great way to express yourself. But the real reason I went into graphic design was at that point I was like, well, really, really, really focused on snowboarding. And uh, <laughs> graphic design seemed like the perfect way that I could work remotely, shred every day, and work at night, um, which I graduated from... CSU in Fort Collins and moved to Crested Butte and did exactly that where I snowboarded my face off and um, it was wonderful and then yeah I did graphic design at night. Yeah and I'm pretty sure most of you out there listening have had that feeling where you're like what can I do? It's yeah. where I can play all day but still make money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so that's that's how I got into that and um, I think I think it worked out. Well, so far, so good. So far, so good, yeah. 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 Well, then, how is it that you ended up choosing Whitefish, of all places, to set up your main HQ? Oh, man. So, I was kind of going through this thing where I had just broken up with a really great guy because I thought I needed to go find myself and go see what I was all about. Yeah. Typical thing to do in your 20s. And... Uh, so I was like, I'm going to Fernie, and I'm just taking my computer, and I'm going to keep my business going, and and go shred a lot in Fernie. And then I didn't make it all the way because I was having a lot of car problems. And then, uh, so I asked an old friend who I knew lived in Montana if uh, he had any connections in Montana, and and that's how I ended up here because my car basically liked it here. 
And didn't you, like, live in your car for a little short period of time? I mean, yeah. The trusty Subaru, the little red wagon that could. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I just made some things happen and, and started freelancing out of my house. And then I needed an office, and then I needed employees, and then I met you guys. Yay! Yeah, look yeah. how far you've come. Living in a car and new homeowner now. And actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I own a house. <laughs> All right. Well, can you tell us a little bit about your favorite part of graphic design and why? Oh yeah, um, I definitely love the business owners. Um, I love using art to convey information and you know, make art that's useful. So maps and signs, we do a lot of bike trail maps and a lot of bike trail signage. And that's really fun. And people can use it to figure out how to navigate. And we try to make it look good in its environment. So I like doing that. I like using video and words to make other people feel feelings and, you know, connect the human experience. And that's sort of my very, very favorite thing, which is sort of the screenwriting background coming into full circle with graphic design and visual communication, so I love that. I love snowboarding and biking and working with other people that care about their lifestyle as much as I do. And I love that, like, whatever my clients do, we get really passionate about and learn about during the projects, like distilleries or clothing stores or coffee shops or IsoFloat, the float therapy center in town. Like, we've learned so much about random cool things that our clients do. Stuff that you would never really... Oh, it's exciting. Ever know about, you yeah. know? It's pretty cool. Yeah. I guess what I'm really curious about is what made you decide that you wanted your company to be so geared towards the outdoor industry. I mean, obviously you love the outdoors, but um, based off of that, like, how do you feel that people in the outdoor business need graphic design? Like, what's their need for it? Oh, well, there's a lot going on in mountain communities that, that get overlooked, Um you know, so many, so many business owners just making it happen. And they're so busy running their own businesses that they don't have time to run a good website or they don't have time to figure out a better system for their online sales, you know? So it's, it's taking that time that business owners don't have and doing it for them and making their lives easier. So that's a big thing. And then they can spend their time running their business and playing outside. I also truly believe that being playful is like the most important thing you can do for yourself and just like letting your mind open and expand and take a break and I think that people overlook the power of play and I love how strong it is in the mountain community. Well as an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. and a business owner (laughs) uh, what do you find is the most difficult part of running a business that's so geared in a design industry? The most difficult thing about running a business is knowing when to take emotion out. I don't know. You just If you have everything written in a contract, it takes the emotion out of business and turns it into just a very awesome agreement that is very clear from the beginning. So I think business is only difficult when you don't set your standard of how it's going to go first. And that's something I've learned along the way. That's a great answer to that question. Yeah. And I bet a lot of people out there feel the same way. It's, it's good to make subjective things a little more objective through contracts. I have, a, I have a really good lawyer in Missoula, and she writes all our contracts. It's nice. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should talk about random jobs that we've had 
And <laughs> I, I, you know, kind of like our stories of what we've done to get to where we are to the job that we love today. Oh, that's, that's a good idea. I think the most random job I've ever had, and I didn't necessarily love it, but it was just kind of a funny place to work was I used it to get some extra money to pay for some like trips out west when I was in college. And it was kind of a, it was, it was at this company, I can't remember the name of it, but it's the place where, you know when you buy a cell phone or something like that, or kind of any product, and you get a mail-in rebate and you have to fill out some stuff, and once in a while, the cell phone companies used to do this a lot, where you like mail in an old phone and your UPC off your new phone and the little redemption thing and they you mail them out to some place and then you get a hundred bucks back or something like that. Mm-hmm. So this company I worked for, it was this, imagine a large gymnasium, but there's just a bunch of tables lining it and like huge bins rolling around full of mail and stuff. And so my job would be to sit at one of these long tables and open mail for like eight hours at a time. And so I'd sit there opening these letters that had, they're all like, packing envelopes so they're all full of um it's not asbestos but it's kind of like asbestos you know <laughs> that like cardboardy yeah you're breathing like, in all the residue and debris that from, from that the packing envelopes. material yep and so you'd sit there so once in a while i think i'd wear a face mask in there and then you just it's super loud in there too so you can't really talk to anyone <laughs> Because everyone's sitting there ripping open envelopes oh, all like day Christmas long. Christmas morning. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, so I'd listen to headphones all day too. And that was before iPods even existed, I think, or before I was like ever had one. And so I had a little, like, I don't know, it was a Walkman or something like that with a radio. And I'd listen to radio, and there weren't a lot of good stations in Mankato, Minnesota. But one of the local TV stations had like television programming that they would just broadcast the sound to so i would sit there i guess i was probably like 19 or 20 at the time and i'd sit there opening mail all day and listening to like the oprah show and and maury povich and all these random shows because i was so bored oh man that's hilarious yeah not you know it got me some money to get me where i wanted to go so it wasn't all bad nice that's hilarious. Yeah, like you did what you had to do to get to your next trip. Yep. It's great. How about you, Amanda? Well, I don't even know how many jobs I've had. Like, just thinking about it over the years, you know, from working with my dad, that was kind of like my first job, but I was working for my dad. Then I worked at like a clothing store all the way up to the point that I'm at now. It's just, it's kind of insane how many jobs I've had, but... Um, I am I'm one of those people that's pretty familiar with having multiple jobs at one time. Uh, back when I was going to school in Bozeman, I actually would get up really, really early in the morning before the sun would come up and go work at the MSU bookstore. Hmm. I'd work on their website, and then I would go to class, and then I would go work at an internship, and I worked for a stock photographer. Hmm. I mean, it's amazing what he does, but like I could never do that job, the stock photography thing. And then I'd go to class again, and then I cleaned offices at night. Oh, man. (laughs) And so it was kind of one of those things where my day would start at, like, 5 a.m., and it would end at, you know, 2 a.m. Because once I got done cleaning offices, I would go home and do all my homework and work on projects, and then I'd sleep for a couple hours and get up and just do it again. But that was also back when I was, like, 21, and I could... I could just run myself into the ground, and it it wasn't as bad as it is now. But I think 
a lot of you out there do those things so that you can get to the point that you're at the job that you want to be at and yeah. you reach the goals that you want to reach. And I'm almost 30, but I am now at the point that I want to be at. I thought I would be there when I graduated from college the first time, but you just kind of never know where your life is going to take you. So I'm glad it took you here. Mm-hmm. But Lisa, I'm kind of curious about, I mean, you've had a whole gamut I know. Jobs. I mean, I remember you telling me a story about wanting to pretend like it was cocktail, like Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah. And you broke a bunch of stuff, and they were like... Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was a pretty exciting bartender, thinking I was pretty good at throwing <laughs> bottles around. But that got expensive. Uh, I've had tons of jobs. Um, I grew up working in bike shops, and I worked at a Cold Stone Creamery as a cake decorator for years. Did, uh, did you have to sing when people gave you tips? Yeah. Well, yes. How many songs do you have to learn there? I don't know, like nine, maybe? <laughs> there, for the interview, it was, I was like 16, and for the interview, they make you sing about ice cream. <laughs> like, I love waffle cones instead of I love rock and roll. Oh, I love <laughs> waffle cones. Like that, yeah. So put another um, scoop in the... Baby, it was it was a really beautiful, like really nice. Um, and then yeah, I worked. Boy, when I lived in Crested Butte, that's a place you have to work three jobs doing whatever you can so that you can support your mountain lifestyle. So I was a snowboard instructor. I landscaped. I worked on an asphalt crew. Um, that was exciting. And I worked. I used to live in Utah. I worked at Backcountry.com for a year as an image editor. Oh, but before I edited images, I started out as a gearhead, where they you like chat in, you know, you're like talk to a gear expert, and it's like at three o'clock, all the kids would get off school and chat in and be like, <laughs> "Are you hot?" And then you just hit end chat. <laughs> and so I started out doing that, and then I got promoted, <laughs> and I would chat in Spanish, so I would have to work. I would. I remember getting up at like five in the morning for that job, or working until like two a.m. because I would chat in Spanish to people in Chile, and I, like help them return cool. stuff. Yeah. So it was just weird hours, and that that was a lot of good exposure to the outdoor industry. Um, yeah. And then I don't know. I'm so happy with life now, and all all those experiences like made a lot of great connections and. Um, I feel like it's all kind of hand in hand and everything kind of fell into place. Yeah, I've kind of noticed that too. It's crazy, all the people, like, I worked with a girl on the cleaning crew for that office, you know, but she lives in Seattle now and does some really fun random photography jobs here and there. And, you know, we just, we knew each other when we were just like working you know, picking, picking up people's trash out of their offices. Yeah. And it's like, and, and now she's somebody that I can call and get advice from. Like, like maybe she's worked on something that I haven't worked on. It's nice knowing that your friends are growing up with you and like yeah. making connections. And yeah, that's one thing I've always noticed about like both mountain towns and outdoor industries in general. Like it's kind of a small world. And if you go to one town, you're wow. And like, live there for a while and then go to another one you're bound to bump into someone whose path you've crossed in the past and yeah um, i've i have so many random contacts from so many different random places ranging from like camp counselors when i was a little kid that now work at video production companies and i don't know so many random different things that i would have never guessed in a million years and Mm -hmm. it's really cool now i have five questions for dan all right bring it on okay dan are you ready yep 
How did you get started in the outdoor industry? I've kind of worked, I don't know, I've worked a lot of different jobs over the years, and all of them have been kind of themed around things that interest me and industries that interest me. From things starting at the age of 14, I started working at a local golf course and worked that all up through halfway through college. But it was, it was about halfway through college when I got my first job, which I consider to be more part of the outdoor industry, which was at, well, this is kind of a stretch, but it was at a, a hill called Mount Cato in Minnesota. And for those of you who don't know, Mount Cato has 220 vertical feet of like spine tingling elevation. So you can actually <laughs> get from the top of the chairlift to the bottom if you move really quick and back on the chair again in about 10 seconds. And I got a job there working in the tech shop, tuning skis and selling some skis and snowboards and stuff like that. And that was awesome because I would just be able to go to class during the day at school and then work at night a bit and go take ski breaks every night and, you know, get to ride a bunch. That's where I first got to start skiing like every single day, which was really cool. But then I got a little bit of a taste of the mountains going out west and um, took a few ski trips out west growing up and some more in college once I started skiing more and kind of knew as soon as I was done with school I was going to head westward. So. Um, moved out west after college and haven't really looked back. Your uh, your ski hill kind of sounds like the bunny hill up at Big Mountain. Oh, the bunny hill at Big Mountain puts our ski hill to shame. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh <my>. really? <laughs> you mean, the, well, it, I guess it's the magic carpet now. But yeah. yeah. Dan, what changes have you seen in the outdoor industry over the past 15 years? Um, well, I've seen, I think two things really come to mind. And one of them is the whole social media aspect that didn't really exist 15 years ago when I first got into the industry. And it's such a big part of, like, you can't have anything to do with the outdoor industry and not be involved and, you know, really into the social media aspect of things. And um, it's just, it's become a whole new way to reach potential customers and um, clients and everything like that. And keep people talking about you and wanting to come back and sharing their experiences. So that's that's one of them. Another one that I really noticed was, I remember back in the day, it seemed like a lot of companies would kind of come to market and sort of be figuring it out along as they went and not have real solid branding or um, ad campaigns or marketing. And I feel like almost every company that comes to market now has it so dialed with um, everything seems so polished of like these upstart companies have like huge ad campaigns and everything is you know they have great consistency and all this and I think there's a lot more talented people entering that those sorts of industries back in the day they were sort of like the offshoot industries and stuff like that and if you're really talented I don't think it was as desirable to get into a lot of outdoor sports stuff mm -hmm. and so that's kind of come around and I think a lot of it's is more money has entered the industry because you know things like X Games happened and mm -hmm. stuff like that and people honestly people realize there's a lot of money to be made because there's a lot of interesting stuff happening there and everyone likes to do that stuff so between skiing and biking and snowboarding and like backpacking and everything like there's so many different people trying to get into the game now and there's a lot more yeah it totally makes sense I mean I bet you guys out there do the same thing. It's like, oh, I might want to try that or that. I, I do that. I've wanted to try, like, every sport there mm -hmm. is. 
I really like ad campaigns that are funny. Like, I tend to pay more attention to the funny ones that sound, that look like my friends and I are just, like, out making a video. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do, too. I like because those. we've all seen thousands of the same ad for a ski resort that's, like, a rad powder shot or something that's yeah. shot some day before the lifts open on some area of the mountain that's not normally open to the public and stuff like that. And that's what everyone's been doing forever. So you see those, and you just kind of gloss over them. And flip to the next page. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Remember when you were our client and you had to wear iron pants to work every day? Yeah. <laughs> kind of sound like you said you had to wear iron pants. <laughs> oh. No, yeah. Dan had to iron his pants like with an iron. I don't even own one. Oh, I don't either. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think I've ever used I one. I hang clothes in the bathroom so the steam from the shower oh, that's fixes them. That's thoughtful. That's creative. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that? this is a great change of pace. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I was Wheelie was a what? I was a client of theirs mm-hmm. for a while when I worked at my previous job here in Whitefish, and they did really great work. And it was a really fun office to go talk to, like awesome group of people. And I was always stoked to have trips over here for work to like talk about whatever new project we were working on. And when a position opened up here, it was just kind of the perfect opportunity for me. So I jumped at it and. Yeah, super stoked at the decision, and and now I'm not wearing iron slacks and polished shoes and button-up shirts with ties to work anymore. You can wear board shorts. Yeah. Yeah. And bring your dog. I think mm-hmm. I think Lisa was really worried he was gonna wear ironed pants to work and maybe a tie. I know. I still might. We'll see. <laughs> Dan, I know you love skiing, and I know you love mountain biking, and you're really involved in the mountain bike community here. So, you can take a few seconds to think about this, but what's the raddest you've ever gotten? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard to answer because yeah. really it could be every day of my life. <laughs> but I think I think the raddest experience that I've ever had oh. was when I it was about 3 years ago, shortly before I moved to Whitefish, so a little over 3 years ago and I went on a cross-country bike trip, so I'd never really, I'd mountain biked a ton, but I'd never really ridden a road bike, I'd never owned a road bike, and I bought a touring bike, and bought a new tent, and like bags to put on my bike, and left Mammoth, and biked to San Francisco, and then to San Diego, and then across the, to uh, Florida, so I went ocean to ocean, and that was, I'd always wanted to do that, and it would, had been kind of in the back of my mind, like, I don't know, for about 10 years or so, but I'd never really had the opportunity to take that much time off and put a trip like that together. And I just kind of went and it was totally, I don't know, mentally freeing because I'd go and camp in the desert and, you know, I have a, I have maps and I would just kind of plan out one day in advance. So every day I'd go to bed and look at the map and plan out, like figure out what's 80 miles from where I am right now and what towns are between here and there where I can get food and water and whatever I need for the day. And then just pedal there the next day. And if I wanted to take a short day and do half that, or if I wanted to go long and do, you know, go really far in a day, it didn't really matter. I could do whatever I wanted. And so how long, how long did you do that for? Um, I was on the road for a total of about two and a half months, but I had a couple stops. Like I stopped in LA and Phoenix and Houston to visit some friends and family and stuff like that. But between those between those three stops, I pedaled every single day. 
to so, get to wherever I needed to go. So Dan was rad for two and a half months straight. Wow. <laughs> Were you alone the whole time? I was alone for almost all of it. It was actually, it was right near the Louisiana border. I think I had just crossed into Louisiana. And I pulled into like a subway or some restaurant and was getting some food because I was starving. Because when you're biking all day, every day, like the only thing I would think about, well, not the only thing, but like the majority of time you're thinking about when's the next time I can eat? Like, is it too soon to eat something else right now? Because you're just always, always hungry. But so I pulled into this restaurant, was eating. Some dude walks in and I mean, there was no one else in the restaurant. He walks in and he's like, hey, is that your bike outside? And he was wearing bike clothes also. And I'm like, yeah, hey, what's up? And he was biking the exact same route I was going. It was the Southern Tier from route from the Adventure Cycling Association, which it's this cool company out of Missoula who puts together all these really good bike routes. Mm -hmm. But he was doing the same route. He was just doing the San Diego to St. Augustine, Florida, which is the coast to coast. And he had the exact same bike as me, and wow. we'd been like overlapping so more or less the whole trip up till then, but hadn't really crossed paths because we no like way. started riding together then and chatting. And he's this rad dude named Brian who lives in um, Asheville, Oregon, Ashland, Asheville, Ashland, Ashland, Ashland yeah. Oregon. And um, yeah, we pedaled the last probably ten days together and just like chatted and like found campgrounds and stuff like that. Which was also really nice because then we were able to draft off each other and once we started pedaling together, I don't think we ever averaged less than 100 miles a day. We were like flying. Wow. So. Wow. It was just cool. And by that point of the trip, like you've already been, uh, like had your own mind to talk to for months. And so it's kind of nice to have someone else to chat to for a little bit. So, um, yeah, rode out to the coast with him and it was awesome. My parents actually drove down from Minnesota overnight well like they drove like 24 hours straight to get to Florida to watch me finish and hit the ocean oh which was pretty that's sweet. pretty cool yeah so kind of all wrapped up to be a really really rad trip what kind of bike did you do that on um I was on a Kona Sutra that's oh. my bike that I pedal over to work here on now that's a pretty rad bike yeah yeah I didn't know that about you that's a really great story <laughs> That's nice. Um, what do you think our listeners will like the best about this podcast? Well, I wish it. I wish they would respond with listening to my dreamy voice, but it's <laughs> it's probably going to be listening to all of us talk about kind of a mix of fun stories that happen to us as we go through our lives here in Whitefish, and like try to make a business successful and do fun stuff and get rad on a daily basis and uh, and interview people nationwide yeah and that's that's the part of it that i'm most excited about we have an awesome lineup of guests that we put together between our contacts between all of us and um just some great industry kind of pioneers that we're we're really excited to talk to and it's an awesome industry to be in a lot of camaraderie Pretty friendly industry. And lots of high fives. So many high fives. <laughs> yes. <laughs> cool. Well, I think this pretty much wraps up episode one of Outside by Design. 
next week, listen to us as we have Molly Busby, the owner of Yoga Hive, which is a yoga studio in Whitefish, Montana. So we'll be talking to Molly about setting intention and mindfulness and how she brings that into yoga and playing outside. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. See you next week.